Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Our show is about hope and prosperity in tough times. Today is Monday, March 11, 2013, and on this day in history in 1903, musician and television host Lawrence Welk was born. Happy birthday, dude. The Machine of Death game is a way to tell crazy, outlandish stories with your friends. You play assassins. And since this is a world in which the Machine of Death exists, you need to be more creative than ever. How you know the does only it feel to be the author of the comic strip Wondermark, co-editor of the best-selling Machine of Death series, and a nominee for the Eisner Award, the highest honor in <laughs> comics? I'm blown away by it. It's been incredible. Okay, dude. <laughs> How can you have so much success, man? I, I don't understand. How can one person be so blessed? Tell me, please. I wish I knew who you were talking about, because that person sounds like he's got a great life. I personally am just a normal guy trying my best, and yes. I'll take whatever blessings the world is going to give me, and I'm just trying hard to make things people like. But you have your finger on the pulse. <laughs> Come on. I'm real reluctant to give myself too much credit. I just like to do things I think are cool, and I'm really gratified when other people share my taste and share my sense of what's cool. And if I give myself any credit, it's that I'm not afraid to, to try something that maybe is strange. And right. it's paid off for me, not every time, but more than it hasn't. We've invented a machine that predicts how you die. All it needs is your blood sample, and it prints a little white card, reading drowned, or old age, or choked on a handful of popcorn. Nothing else, no other details. I'm talking to David Malky, the co-creator of Machine of Death, the game of creative assassins. And this game of yours, it's a spinoff from your number one best-selling book, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Machine of Death, the book, was a short story collection that we published in 2010. And uh, that was based on a, on a comic strip that my colleague Ryan North published uh, even before that. And this game is now uh, not an adaptation, I think spinoff is the right word, of not even the book itself, but the base concept that the book was based on. And now the game is based on the same sort of fundamental core idea of this machine that can predict how you die. Right. I like that. It's, this is something kind of like, uh, I think this game is kind of Doctor Who-ish if I have to put some thought into it. The machine tells your death prediction based on your blood sample, which means it's yours. It can never change. You do whatever you want. That's going to be your death one way or another. And also the machine, also in a very sort of classical Greek way, is tricky. And sometimes the word doesn't mean what you think it means. If it says old age, maybe it's an old man that runs you over in his car. So you might think you know what it means, but you might also be surprised. And does having this knowledge, how does that change Everything about the world, your relationships, industries, society, the military, the government, medicine. The book explores all these things in, I think, a really interesting way. And our second book is going to do more of it. And then the game takes that device and it makes it ridiculous. So, okay, ridiculous. And it's also a party game. It's supposed to be fast paced. Yeah, it's for the type of people who like sitting around with their friends and riffing off one another and making up, you know, trying to make each other laugh. That's the audience for this game. Now, it sounds as though there could be a lot of drinking with this game. What do you think? You know what? I'll leave that to the user. I'm just going to say the game is very customizable. <laughs> okay. Now, I read your bio. 
Now, do you have a philosophy that if it's not fun, you don't do it? I have never articulated it in as concise a way as you just did, but I will take that. You know, it's possible that that gets kind of simplistic, but my philosophy is that it's better to make something than to not make something. It's better to try something than to not try something. It's better to have an adventure than to not have an adventure. And that can be very difficult because, you know, there are stakes involved that you could lose money, you could lose time, you could you could do something that nobody likes. These things are all totally legitimate real stakes. And I think one of the things that's interesting is that it's self-perpetuating. Yes. You know, this is a bigger project than I'm, maybe than I've ever done before. At this scale, I did not expect it to be at this scale this fast. Come on. This is becoming a, a larger thing than... I have done, at least recently. Okay. You were nominated for the Eisner, the biggest award that a comedian can have. Okay, you lost it, so maybe everything in your <laughs> life isn't roses. As far as I know, I was second place. They don't tell you that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to presume I I was. think you should think that. Yeah. And this project was funded how quickly? We asked for the minimum amount that we thought we needed to make the game. We got that in about 16 hours. So what do you have to say to your backers? Because they're very enthusiastic. The only reasonable thing to say is thank you. And it's not just thank you for the money, but thank you for the trust that they're buying something sight unseen. And some of them maybe have known know my work or those that of my collaborators. Maybe they read our book, maybe, they, maybe not. And so they have some basis for that. Others, right. uh, a large number, as far as I can tell, are new to the concept, to me, to this game and are just hoping it turns out good. And that's a trust I take very seriously. If nothing else, I'm a perfectionist. I won't let something out unless I think it's great. So yes. that's pressure on me that I willingly take on. You're not like DJ Grandpa, right? You're a young guy. Yeah, I drink a lot of herbal tea. So okay. my voice sounds sounds young, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in my 80s. David, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been exciting. I still say, what can't you do? And keep up the good work. Congratulations with such a successful program. And thanks for joining the crib. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for calling me up. I can't take it easy. I'd like to welcome Big Earl and the Poor House Millionaires, or just Big Earl and his whole collective from Modesto, California to the show. And they're here to put Modesto, California on the map. Tell me why you support your city so hard. It's my home. I was born here. I was raised here. You know, the scene in L.A. isn't the scene I want to live in. The scene in San Francisco is great, but it's not my scene. This is my scene, my hometown. And I want people to know that we have something special here, and I'm willing to put the time, effort, and energy into making it happen. In your correspondence, you said that you wanted to build a record label. Tell me what your dream is. I think a lot of creative people have trouble with the business side of things. That's what I see as somebody who works on both sides of it, as a musician and as a booker and a promoter. And I have friends and and know people who have great material and who are ready to go into the studio, but are having a difficult time getting the money together and organizing it and making it happen. You know, I want to see 
these great projects get out there into the world because I think that if people had the chance to see it and it got put out on a national level, that it would have legs. They say With all the articles and information that you see about death to all record labels, why do you want to get in the picture when you see such negative news about record labels? It is a big can of worms to open up. It is. You know, it's scary too because especially when you're dealing with people who you have personal relationships with because, you know, when things don't go the way that, you know, you want them to go or they want them to go, then there's a big risk for hurt feelings and for, you know, relationships to be damaged. For me, the way I want to go about it is being clear and being transparent. You know, if you make an agreement with somebody and the parameters are set and everyone agrees and you move forward and things go well, then it's great. And if they don't, then at least everyone is on the same page and everything's clear. I, I don't want to do it to get rich. I want to do it to support art and to support artists that I believe in. So. If this record that comes out does well, then that means I'll be able to put out another record without having to go out and fundraise again for that one. And it's not that it'll break even, and that'll be the minimum. You and I have been going back and forth via email for a while now. And I asked you for so many songs because DJ Grandpa believes in people who are prolific. You know, kind of like they're just not one-hit wonders. They only have one song, and then that's all they have. So I was interested in you because every time I said, well, do you have another song? You sent me another song. Then I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Send me something else. And then you sent me three or four other songs. So I really appreciate that because if people who are prolific, it shows that they can make it through adversity. Once one idea falls flat, then another one comes through. This project is a huge, collaborative, more inclusive project. You know, there's 24, 25 musicians on this album. You know, there's right. 14 different songwriters. Tell me some of the different types of musical flavors that you're gonna have on this album? It's all original. My band, we do kind of an Americana mix with uh, blues. We're gonna have some singer-songwriter type of stuff. Like some of it's gonna be really stripped down, like just one voice and one guitar. Uh, there's a little three-piece group uh, with a really amazing singer called Love Course singing telegrams, and, and that's ukulele and mandolin and uh, voice. And then we've got one that's like a really rocky blues type of a thing with just drums and guitar on it. What's their name? That's uh, Ryan Russell. And then there's a Cole Thomason song on there, and that's going to be more of a like country rock feel kind of a song. Okay, well, how do you feel being an artist in Modesto, California? How do they treat their artists? I feel very supported. I don't just do music. You know, I write songs and I sing in two bands, but I also promote shows. I work 
with the local theater. I put shows on in a couple of different venues. And then I host a weekly show that brings all different kinds of musicians from the area called the Thursday Night Ramble. I also write for our local music magazine, the Modesto View. I do audio blogs. I'm very, very involved. So I feel very supported in my community. I think we've got a great scene. I really do. You know spooning leads to four friends. The night's still young. Let's whiskey up again. Because I'll be passing out right next to them. A foot in my face and hanging off the end. When you have a, a large group of people who all spend a lot of time writing and put a lot of energy into original music, you right. can't help but get excited about it. Last night I went and visited one of the local open mics that we have here in town, and there was 125 people at least in a very small space listening to mostly a bunch of teenagers and kids in their early 20s playing their original music, and they're there hooping and hollering, and that's support, you know. It didn't matter how good they were or not, to be honest with you, because the people that came out there were there excited for their friends. They were there supporting each other, pursuing their creative endeavors. What's your main group, the Poor House Millionaires, like? That's an acoustic band. You know, we do original stuff, but I would say kind of ranges between country and blues and Americana. That guy in your video, what's his problem? Bob Eisenbach. What's wrong with him? Oh, Bob Meisenbach. Meisenbach? Meisenbach. Look him what's up. What's wrong with Bob Meisenbach? Google Bob. He got arrested on the steps of the courthouse in San Francisco with Einstein's granddaughter, taking over City Hall during uh, one of the McCarthy hearings. He's a retired school teacher from Modesto teaching English, and he's a very accomplished poet. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Because I I knew he had to be something, because he's crazy, man. He's out there. I like that, though. Yeah. Hi, folks. Uh, Bob Meisenbach here. My job today is to try to get you to part with some of your filthy lucre. You won't be wasting your wife's money. You'll be spending it for a good cause. The music scene in Modesto and a lot of young artists who are quite impressive, but they are not being rewarded as much as they should be for their talent and the culture they bring to Modesto. You've been looking at me and I see what's on your mind. You've been looking at me and I see what's on your mind. The reason why I reached out to you for an interview is because I have dreams just like you do, man. And I love to support artists and people who are thinkers and builders and designers and things of that nature. And that's why this cast exists, DJ Grandpa's Crip. So I wish you the best, and thank you very much for coming on this show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I went all the way to China to speak with a Dutchman named Rudy, co-creator of the Smart Notification Bracelet. What the heck? A bracelet for your phone? I'm about to get my first iPhone ever. So I don't understand what your product is. Could you, kind of like in a layman's term, tell me what your product is all about? The Embrace Plus. So it's a bracelet. You wear it on your wrist and it connects uh, with uh, Bluetooth to your smartphone, to your iPhone or your 
new Android device and um, you can set notifications for all the important things on your mobile. So you can set a notification for incoming calls, uh, also for caller ID, so for your contacts. You can set notifications for SMS, email, many of the popular social media apps and some other uh, useful functionalities. The notifications you set, these you can configure with uh, colors and patterns and vibration. And the band of the Embrace Plus has an optical fiber inside. So the whole band glows when you receive a notification. Oh, that's cool. I see that you say for the Embrace Plus, it's a device that basically helps you stay connected all the time. Yes. And I see on your webpage on Kickstarter that I see in the comments section that you seem to have a lot of comments of people fighting over the color. So how have you dealt with that type of demand? Yes, so people are asking if we can make uh, part of the band, if we can give it uh, just a solid color and leave them only like a stripe uh, of the band transparent, which would uh, glow uh, in a color then. This is something we can have a look at. Now, you're saying you're from Holland, but you're in China now. What part of China are you in? I'm working in Shenzhen. That is the city that borders with Hong Kong. Yes. And Shenzhen is a city that, uh, that is growing uh, very rapidly. Uh, it has a lot of manufacturers, a lot of factories that uh, produce uh, consumer electronics. And I've been here now for more than four years. What stage is this product in? Is it a prototype or are you ready to go to market with it? Yes, it's still a prototype. So um, right now it does not connect uh, yet to your phone uh, via Bluetooth. The product works, it's just that uh, at this moment uh, we use a USB cable to uh, control the light. So we're going from uh, controlling it uh, with the PC and the USB cable to controlling it with smartphone via Bluetooth. Is there something that you would like to say to your backers? First of all, I'd like to thank them because uh, I think they're brave that they're willing to uh, back us at this stage. Is there a question that I haven't asked you, something that your message that you would definitely like to get out about your product? A lot of people, they ask us, uh, what is your bracelet? Because it's a bracelet, right? Why is it so different from some of the other products that came to the market and that also notify you uh, about your mobile phone? Well, I think our product is something really new because uh, it's not really like a device. It has no buttons or screws. It feels very light, so you can wear it without really being aware of it. well, a lot of the other devices, actually all of them, they have a screen and buttons and then you end up doing the same as on your mobile phone. I think with the Embrace Plus, you can really uh, be more efficient with your phone. Suppose you're very busy doing something or you're in a situation that you would have to excuse yourself to take your phone out of your pocket and make a call or respond to someone. With the Embrace Plus, you you only need to catch a glimpse of the color and you know exactly what it is. I understand now. Because our brain works like this. Uh, we associate colors with things. Well, so if you set a color for Facebook like dark blue and for Twitter like light blue, you will know instantly what it is. So I think it's very functional and very efficiently. Well, basically it's a piece of technology for people who are busy, who are on the go, and it helps them organize their daily lives. So I'm uh, starting to understand a lot better. I appreciate that you've come on the show and try to explain to me in layman's terms, since I said I didn't understand that well, what your product is about. I appreciate what you're doing on the Kickstarter community, and I wish your campaign the best. I'd like to thank you for being on your show. 
have traveled to the future, and I like what I saw. I'd like to welcome Simon Lynch to the show, originally from Greenland and now residing in Port Townsend, Washington. He's a singer-songwriter and a goodwill ambassador for the Greenlandic Children's Organization. Thanks for having me on the show. Why don't you tell me about your music? I'm a singer-songwriter, classic sort of in the style of Paul Simon and Cat Stevens. Those are people that I've often been compared to. And if we want to play music, do it now. And praise the moon, the mountains, and the sun. And praise the moon, the mountains, and the sun. Simon, what would you like to say to the backers of your project? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much. And the second thing I want to say is uh, tell your friends because I want to uh, be able to give you all your rewards. And uh, the only way that's going to happen is if we reach the, the minimum goal. How long ago was your first album? I recorded it about five years ago. And then it came out on this small label, Bright Orange Records in L.A., it's just sort of very low-key, and then it ended up getting signed in London to a record label called Lomax Records. And from there, it just it kind of took off all of a sudden. I was, you know, working a job here in Port Townsend, and a couple months later, I was over-touring in Europe and got on TV and stuff like that. So it was all pretty overwhelming for me, but it was a lot of fun. Could you tell me a little bit about your new album? It's going to be kind of a new greatest hits compilation of songs that I've written over the last five years while on the road. And people have already heard some of them when I played them live. How did you feel when you saw in the Rolling Stones when they reviewed you and it said one of the most memorable and melodic albums of recent years? No, I was very, very grateful and wow, that, that's amazing, you know, for an album that I recorded in a garage in Encino, you know, in California. Why does anybody bother to sing? Why does anybody bother to win? Thank you very much, Mr. Lynch. I appreciate the interview. I appreciate your time. I wish you the best on your Kickstarter program. For anyone who wishes to know more, go to kickstarter.com and type in Simon Lynch. That's L-Y-N-G-E. And check out his Kickstarter. And if you have any other questions, you can go to our website. We'll always have information on him about his Kickstarter at www.djgrandpa.com. Thank you so much, DJ Grandpa. It's been a great pleasure being on the show. Caught up in all this madness, I lost in the streets, I thought I knew. And it's always the same thing that gets me down. I wish you were here, London Town. 
This is DJ Grandpa's Crib. I'd like to welcome Romeo Phillip to the show. Nice to meet you. Nice talking to you. Thanks for the call. Okay, well, I just finished watching your trailer again there on Kickstarter. And okay. uh, I remember it says it's something like a quick, fast-paced action Western adventure, much like the world we live in right now. You know it. You know it. All <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, what else do you have to add to that? I mean, I loved it. Characters in Wild West Exodus are balanced upon the edge of a knife, a horrible death waiting patiently on either side. They move swiftly across the table, they fight with frightening speed and lethal skill, and they die abruptly. A combination of savage fictional warriors and famous historical figures, their fates murky and twisted by the Dark Council beyond recognition. I love the guy who's voicing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a good friend of ours. He's a he's great guy. Great guy. The new technology bears down upon mankind overtaking his natural path and driving him ever deeper into the unrelieved savagery of his animal nature. It is the twilight years of the 19th century. There is no certain future as a continent is torn apart, each isolated faction struggling to maintain their share of power. Uh, what's your title, sir? We haven't yet really signed off on everybody's titles yet because I think we've all been a pretty close team getting things going. So at this point, we're kind of just like going by name, you know, hey, Tom, hey, Chad, hey, whoever. So, <laughs> But I would say creative director would probably be the most official term for me. I've read in your description that you guys are a bunch of war game enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, we are. There's a little culture called tabletop war gaming, and it's a very niche. It's a big industry, I and mean, as far as money that it makes, in the several hundreds of, of millions of dollars a year that the industry as a whole probably takes in. So it isn't, you know, chump change by any means, but at the same time, uh, it is very unknown. You know, a lot of people write it off as Dungeons and Dragons, and that's such a loose term because Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, there's so many genres for that terminology where tabletop board gamers, which is what we are, is really dedicated. It's almost like chess, but with detailed pieces and a more in tune to the environment type of game rules. So you're playing to what your table's set up like, you're playing to what your army looks like. The game will feature a full range of highly detailed 35mm models sculpted by some of the best digital sculptors in the industry. These amazing miniatures will be produced on the best equipment using the highest levels of technology and will drive this action-based whirlwind of darkness and death into an ever-evolving future brimming with desolation and despair. The one thing I, I would love to say to all of our backers is thank you. I mean, that's a pretty obvious thing to say because you can't do any of these projects unless people believe in your dream and what you're trying to do. You know, for us, this was something that really kind of started as kind of a fun thing. We were just sitting around and I've had this crazy Wild West sci-fi story in my head for a couple of years now. And I just never really pursued it. It was always one of those things where, you know, you take notes, you write things down, you see a good movie, you add to your story. And it's kind of almost like a journal that you keep of a potential idea one day to maybe look into. And I just happened to mention it to a now a person that's part of our team. And he said, oh, my God, this thing's awesome. You really have to pursue this. Like, let's look into it. Let's get more people involved. And as we told the story to more and more people, more people said, you're silly to not kickstart this. This is a great idea. It really has legs. Nobody's doing it. So put it this way, you know, kicking, screaming, dragging my legs, I was pulled into it. And finally, I revealed my notes and people were like, holy cow, this story can go on for years. So I'd like to say thank you to the backers for 
giving us the opportunity to do that. I'd also like to say that we're going to be here for you during Kickstarter, after Kickstarter, and hopefully for many years to come. I'm looking at this picture on your Kickstarter page, and it's almost like a, a tin soldier or maybe some sort of futuristic Westerner, and he's on like a train sled, rocket sled, or some, some sort of miniature back uh -huh. to the future type of train. What is that? It's a beautiful render. Okay. We use true history in our game all the way up to the mid to late 1800s. And at that point, alternate history, our history, takes place. So to give you a spoiler, Abe Lincoln doesn't actually die in our world. He actually faces death by hiring John Wilkes Booth, his actual killer, because he was an actor, to fake killing him, which would allow Abe Lincoln to step down from office and begin the what now is the Secret Service of the U.S. government. So he is actually the founder of the Secret Service, Abe Lincoln is, and the Pinkertons, which eventually became the Pinkerton Secret Service Agency, and so on, or the Pinkerton Detective yeah. Agency. So that is just one part of the alternate history. So in our world, Abe Lincoln lives, and also you have players like Thomas Edison, Billy the Kid, Jesse James. These characters that are real-life history guys that people can go and look up information on have been altered in different ways at a certain break in true history forming into art history. And the sled that you see is actually called an iron horse. Uh, technology has run rampant. It's actually what's causing the world to be in turmoil. A new, I guess you can call it, elusive energy source has been discovered by the main character, Dr. Carpathian, and now they can actually build more technologically advanced items because they have this new everlasting energy source. Think of it as the battery that never runs out. So those vehicles have been created to make up for the horse, which gets tired, needs food, needs water, Everybody now rides those iron horses instead, and that's the military version that you see because that's a Union soldier on the one that you see in the first picture. Okay, it's almost like that TV show that's one of my childhood favorites, Wild Wild West. Thank you very much for the interview, and I wish you the best with your Kickstarter page. And that's it, dude. I'm going to have to get one of these games somehow. Thank you very much. This is DJ Grandpa. Welcome back to the show. This week's musical guest is Jeannie Bay. She's a primo violinist, but she also plays the electric violin. And I've been in love with the electric violin for like the last 25 years or so. I think it's an incredible instrument. To me, you rarely hear it on recordings and stuff, so I still think that's cool though. You know, the different types of sounds that it makes as opposed to an acoustic violin. She has a Kickstarter page going on right now called Jenny Bay's Electric Violin Album. It's described as a crossover album. And she also wants to, in Cold Cage, she wants to put in the album like traditional instruments from her native land of Seoul, Korea. Yes, that's correct. Yes, so welcome to the show. Thank you, DJ Grandpa. Hello, everyone. My name is Jenny Bay. Now tell me about this electric violin. You know what, I picked it up when I was 20 and I was classically trained in New York City and I never knew that I'll ever play the electric violin. I thought it was too wild. But when I had to perform with Luciano Pavarotti, he said to me, you know, Jenny, it's for 90,000 people in the stadium, so you have to play an electric violin to perform. So I thought to myself, oh my gosh, 
I have only one week left and I have to play an electric violin. I have to learn to play this. And I grabbed it and I loved it. And, you know, it was just a, one of the most amazing times I've ever had on the stage. So I just kept performing with it. And I just, I still continue to do it after all these years. An electric violin is like, it's exactly the same as playing your classical violin. Yes. But the difference is that the sound comes out of your amplifier. So without the amplifier, the violin does not make any sound. When you have electric violin, you feel, I don't know why, you feel so live and you feel like you can do whatever you want. You can jam and there's something wild to it. I can tell by watching your videos when you're playing the acoustic, yeah, you know, you're all properly dressed and all of that. Not to say that you dress improper, but when you mm. play the electric violin, you have on like jazz pants and <laughs> yes. all sorts Leather of... Leather pants, yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell me about the dream that you wish to achieve with your Kickstarter campaign? The reason that I started this Kickstarter campaign is because there's always that barrier when it comes to classical music. And yes. uh, so I wanted to break that barrier and I wanted to reach my audience, my fans directly without having a third person involved or having the record label involved. And I wanted to um, use a platform that is popular enough, that has enough people going on it, which is Kickstarter. And the music is going to be, I can guarantee, the most beautiful album, which is going to feature a lot of South Korean traditional instruments, which is quite new in the West, and collaborate with them on some of your favorite classical tunes. I watched a video clip of you. It looked like you were probably 12 or 14 or something playing with this giant orchestra on stage. That's when I was 26. Thank you, Grandpa. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. Okay, no comment. No comment. Thank you. 26. Okay. Well, you know, maybe I didn't have my glasses on or something. But no, no, I could have. Never mind. Never mind. It, Thank you, though. That's a compliment. I was about to say, there's no way I could clean that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I wanted to say thank you for joining the Kickstarter community, for giving us a chance to listen to your music. And anyone out there who wishes to check out her program, go to kickstarter.com, type in Jenny Bay, that's J-E-N-N-Y-B-A-E. And if you can't find it on Kickstarter, you, you can always find links for Jenny Bay for her Kickstarter project and her website at our website, djgrandpa.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, DJ Grandpa. Hello, is this R.T. Bear? It could be. Yeah, I know it could be, but is it? Uh, yeah. Let's hope so, because now is the time for the dreaded elevator pitch, DJ Grandpa's favorite part of the show. Oh my gosh, are we live right now? Or? No, 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 I'm not ready for prime time. It's not live. <laughs> okay. All right, do you know what an elevator pitch is? Sort of. <laughs> I can explain. I do it every time. Okay. Okay. You have a few days left on your Kickstarter campaign.
book, Chrono Mechanics. Yes. And it's basically about this comic strip or comic book that you wish to release. And so the elevator pitch for you is I'm a guy in a suit. I'm walking down the hallway. You watch me. I get into the elevator. But you know I'm the money guy. I'm one of those money guys. One of the guys that, you know, you can pitch your idea to. But i.e. it's basically the Kickstarter community that you're talking to right now. So I get into the elevator. You get into the elevator. I push floor number seven. So now you have until floor number seven to give me your pitch. It's roughly two minutes. So why do you deserve the money? Why do I deserve the money? Holy moly. It's a great property. I want to get it back out in front of people. It's H.G. Wells meets Looney Tunes. It's a sci-fi action-adventure humor book. It's a story of four mechanics that repair time. And if you think about time as being a big machine, it's nuts and bolts. It breaks down a lot. So we need four repairmen to go and fix it. So it's hilarious. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of adventure. The four mechanics are Oot. He's a prehistoric caveman. There's Zinn. He's a child deity from another galaxy. There's Carvaggio who's a uh, renaissance inventor artist. And then there's Doug, who's basically a 20th century slacker slash uh, rock star with crazy good luck. Um, it's something I really believe in. I think it's great. As far as Kickstarter is concerned, there's a lot of great incentives. And uh, some of the incentives are the book, autographs, sketches. There's a maquette that was made for an animation pitch. It's over two feet tall. It was uh, sculpted wow. by Mike Smithson, who's a uh, Hollywood special effects guy. I'm starting to like this, man. I think <laughs> you've sold it to me. I expected you to stop halfway through, but you just kept going. So I think you deserve the money, and I think they should go to your page on kickstarter.com and type in Chrono Mechanics and actually check this guy out because look what he's talking about, all these pages and... He's dropping names from Hollywood and all of that. You know, I'm sold. Well, thank you, my friend. Okay, listeners, it's that time again for another one of DJ Grandpa's Tips of the Week. If you remember last week, I gave you a hot tip about the video remix. This week, it's all about the press conference. Tip number three. With the aid of two free social networking platforms, freeconferencecall.com and ustream.com, you can host weekly press conferences with your backers and potential supporters. Set up accounts at both of these websites. We'll provide links at djgrandpa.com and at DJ Grandpa's crib on Facebook. Once you start the press conference, you can read a prepared statement and then your guests can ask questions. Use this platform to provide product updates, funding updates, or simply to start a dialogue with your backers. Always, always give notice before your press conferences. And don't forget, invite any press contacts you may have. Go live and directly to the people. Empower your backers and your fans with the latest information about your Kickstarter project. The press conference. That was tip number three. Stay tuned next week. Tip number four. I'd like to thank all our guests this week, and a special thanks goes to Trevor Williams for contributing the theme song to DJ Grandpa's Crib. 
Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can like us on Facebook, search words DJ Grandpa's Crib. You can also follow us on Twitter at DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. Search for DJ Grandpa's Crib in the iTunes store. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. And if you are not socially inclined, you can still reach DJ Grandpa the old-fashioned way by email. That's djg at djgrandpa.com. Each week, we will be talking to some of the most creative people on the planet. Stay tuned. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer for this and all House of Abdul podcasts is Abdul Rupert.